0: Get fast, reliable speeds at home and on the go with internet and mobile from Xfinity. Switch to Xfinity Internet with unlimited data included. Plus, save when you add Xfinity Mobile. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store to learn more. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Welcome to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madame Blue. Each episode features a special guest sharing their story of success, career advice, and industry insight. I'm Valeria and I'll be hosting today's episode. Today's guest is Kendall Long. She is most well known for appearing on The Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise, but she's also the author of Just Curious, a notebook of questions. Today I'll be talking to Kendall about all things Bachelor, but also digging into the making of her book and her unique hobby of
1: taxidermy collecting. Hello, I'm Kendall Long. I I think people best know me on Ari's season as the taxidermy girl. Um, So I was the one that on our hometowns took Ari to make a taxidermy mouse. And um, that's kind of how most people know me. Um, I was also on Bachelor in Paradise, and that's where I met Joe, who was my ex-boyfriend. We dated for about a year and a half, and yeah, now I'm an author. I wrote a book uh, called Just Curious Over the Questions, so here we are. I'm
0: definitely going to get into the book. Um, I think it's such a cool thing that you created, but I obviously have a lot of Bachelor questions. I just w- want to know how you got into the show and like a little bit about what the casting process was like. So,
1: yes, yeah, so the casting, for me, it just seemed like it, it, there was just no resistance. It just, like, was kind of easy. And so initially, I was watching uh, The Bachelor, the Bachelorette. It was Rachel Lindsay's season. It was a dodgeball episode. And I was with a couple of my girlfriends. We were house-sitting my parents' place. And uh, my sister was like, oh, you should definitely go on The Bachelor. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, I would never do that. It's, you know, I think a lot of people say that initially. They're like, oh, I would never do that. Like, all those girls fighting for one guy, like but then I drank a couple glasses of wine and it started to sound like a really good idea. So then I um, applied and I wrote my application tipsy, mind you, like I'm a tax-review collecting ukulele playing twin. And they were just like, Oh, this is the weirdo. Um, And so then they called me the next day. I almost like forgot that I had done it. And then I was traveling to Spain. So I went to Spain and I missed a lot of their messages. And then I happened to look at my email and I was like, Oh dang, like I forgot that I just happened to go on. And like a couple weeks later, I was on the show and it was, yeah, it was insane. I brought like all my dresses for my friends. Like, I had no fancy dresses know anything.
0: (laughs) Do they tell you ahead of time like bring x amount of clothes
1: or bring this like style of
0: clothes because I always thought how do they have outfits for like every occasion?
1: Well they give you they don't tell you where you're going or anything so they're saying bring things for the cold weather bring things for warm weather like Mm -hmm. be prepared in all areas. Um, When we were in Tahoe I think most of us didn't expect it to be that cold because it was I think it was snowing when we were there. Yeah it was snowing when we were there. Um, At least at one point it was snowing. And so uh, they bought us all, like, warmer clothes because we, like, did not expect it. Um, But other than that, it was just everything you brought. There's a list that's, like, uh, you want to bring, like, like, I think it was, like, eight fancy dresses for all of the episodes. But you never know. Like, the people who packed the most sometimes leave the earliest. So I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to borrow all these dresses and wing it. And um, everyone was so much more prepared than me.
0: (laughs) There's no way
1: that all fits in one suitcase, right? No. I had, I think they say two suitcases and a carry-on or something. And so I had, I had went out and bought like two big suitcases with my mom. We're like, we need to fit all these clothes in here. Um, And then a carry-on as well. And they, of course, pay for all your luggage like moving. And so um, I didn't have to worry about overcharge fees because I definitely had that in my luggage. It was packed to the brim. But yeah, I mean, it was just, it was so great. I mean, of course it was, it was cool because usually dresses are tiny anyway. So you can like, you know, roll them up yeah, and pack it. It's true. But some girls had so many suitcases. Like, five, I think Caroline, I love her, but she had like five suitcases. Oh my gosh. I, I was just impressed. I was like, you guys are so prepared.
0: <laughs> I remember like whenever there's two-on-one situation or something like that, where they rolled the suitcase to the door. I'm like, there's no oh. way that's the only suitcase that
1: they packed. Oh no, no. That's just like symbolism. I was like, you are, you have left or you have stayed. Um, yeah. So mainly, mainly it's like you have to pack before every date you go on or every rose ceremony, like you have to pack every single week. So there's a lot of packing and repacking and stuff. And when you go on a one-on-one, your bags are packed. You don't have to go in and then pack afterwards, you know? Yeah. That's stressful. It is. I I learned a lot about packing and repacking and I just never took my stuff out of my suitcase. So there's no point. <laughs> Smart,
0: yeah. There's always talk about like the food, whether like you can eat it or not. And I was just wondering
1: what your take on that is. Oh, so you eat, I mean, you you eat before the dates, um, usually separately, because they don't want you to be eating off camera. The only time I ate off camera was when I was with Ari in Paris, when we had our two-on-one. And then after Crystal had left, we actually, after filming, we stayed a little bit later and like got to eat like cheese and have wine, and it was so great, like off camera, because you're used to being on camera. So I was just like so relieved to be off camera for a bit. But that was the only time that we ate together off camera. But other than that, we don't eat. You don't eat together. On my fantasy sweet date, I tried one of the baked oysters. And Ari looked at me, he's like, are you supposed to eat that? And I was like, I don't know.
0: So, <laughs> The time that you were off camera, did you feel
1: like the vibe was
0: different between you and Ari?
1: I would say that majority of the time it's on camera, but we did really connect a lot off camera when it was the fantasy suites because you have a couple hours. I mean, of course you film really late and then they film you really early, so you don't have too much time and you also want to sleep. So we did talk about a lot of stuff. And when we did our sand dune date, it was like really loud inside the bu- inside the car. So I asked him like a lot of really intense questions while we were on that date because I knew the audio couldn't pick up. So I was like, "What's your stance on abortion? <laughs> like, how do you feel about like vaccines?" So it was so funny. We were like laughing about it, but so not funny. that funny. But I love <laughs> that you did that. <laughs> yeah, I was just like cracking up because he's like, "I don't think the camera can hear us," and I was like asking him all these crazy questions. Going from
0: the bachelor to bachelor in paradise was that a lot more laid back because there's less competition and you're like on a freaking beach just drinking all day
1: yeah completely it was um it was just you felt like you were just with a group of friends at like a summer camp kind of situation um and you were just trying to fall in love on the summer camp you know um, yeah it was definitely more formal when it was with the bachelor and you didn't really get a lot of time with him i mean there's so many women that it's difficult to get a lot of one-on-one time I had never had a one-on-one date until like fantasy suites. That's the first time I had a one-on-one date. Um, And then when it came to paradise, you, you hang out all day, you know, you really get to know that person and it's less time in terms of like weeks that you're there, but the amount of time you spend is just like so much more. So I felt like I could advance my relationship so much quicker than I could on bachelor. Since you've been
0: off the bachelor, what is it like dating when your past relationships are on the internet?
1: You know, it's so funny. I, you know, the demographic isn't men. So it's either like their sister or mom has watched it or like their friends are like, Oh, wow, a lot of friends, my friends are following you on Instagram. Some people will be like, Oh, I couldn't help but look you up. And then I see you making out with a man. I'm like, that's cool. Um, so they can see me crying about a guy making out with a guy falling in love with a guy. So it, it is kind of weird, like, because I don't really have that access to their life. So it's almost a little off, you know, off kilter so um but I mean you know it it, it was just a part of my life and I don't regret it at all but it's definitely interesting when it comes to dating
0: (laughs) yeah I feel like that's why a lot of times we'll see different people from different seasons end up dating
1: just because I feel like they relate to each other from going through a similar experience oh definitely definitely it's I, I think it's because you know what it's like being in this it's almost like a different world it is because you're cut off from the rest of the world you have no phones no internet no access to anything um the only time i ever heard anything from the outside world was when we were in tahoe when there was the shooting in vegas that was Mm -hmm. the only time and it was because it was an emergency and a lot of people had friends or family in Vegas, and you know, but that was the only time. Other than that, you have no idea what's going on outside. Well, one thing I definitely wanted to ask
0: you about taxidermy played a big role in your bachelor experience. It's a very unique hobby. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to just ask you like how you got into that. And if you you still collect?
1: Oh, I still collect. I I just got a jar of animal testicles from a vet who, who well, all the animals are still living. So we like uh, he, um, neuters and spays animals and he puts them all in, in, in like a jar. Um, so I thought that was cool. Um, but yeah, I still collect. Um, I got into it because I, I've always loved studying zoology, botany, entomology. And, um, it was just really fun to like see the art of nature and I, I see it as art and I collect it as if it is art and it just inspires me and I, and I love reading about something and seeing it. So, uh, yeah. Did your education or career play a role in your love for taxidermy? Not really. I think, well, when I was younger, I used to work at Discovery Digital Network, which is like part of the Discovery Channel, working in the science department. And I used to like test out all the science experiments before they put them on the show, which I loved. It was like, the best job ever. So I would say that definitely was something that contributed to my passion for um, just science in general. Like, hey, Stachio, come here. He's like, I want to bark right when you're talking.
0: He has a loud bark for his tiny dog.
1: Oh, yeah. He's like a little... He's a weenie, that's for sure. Stashio, come here, hang out with me. He's like, nope, someone's outside. Um, so so yeah, I mean, I feel like that definitely fueled my interest for science and the natural world in general. And I, I love going to different museums, and, and I would love to work at a museum someday. And, so yeah, I hope to have more work in the taxidermy world or in the science world soon.
0: Well, on Bachelor, you definitely shed a light on an entire hobby that most people don't even really know much or think about, um, which I thought was cool. You know, it's always nice to see people being open about what they're interested in, even if it's not popular.
1: In the beginning, it was actually really difficult for me to come out as someone who was into taxidermy because there was a lot of backlash. And that's just something that is definitely expected. I actually liked some of the negative reactions only because I love animals and I have a huge passion. And, And to see that other people have passion for animals as well made me happy. At the same time, it was just a complete disconnect or misunderstanding for how I collect, why I collect. People would think that people who collect taxidermy hate animals, and that's just not the case. I collect everything secondhand or very sustainably. For me, it's it's a way to teach other people about the natural world and to spark passion within them um, as well so we can conserve it. And I have people come into my place all the time, and I always joke and say it's like a little natural history museum because I have just so much taxidermy everywhere and uh I I think it creates curiosity and you know and I and I love to share that curiosity and I hope to spark that within people that um see my collection
0: that's so cool do you keep it all in one place or spread it around your home
1: it's spread out. I have like shelves here with a bunch of things, like a couple shelves. And I, you know, I'm like looking at it all now. So, <laughs> Yeah, I like to disperse it. Um, but ideally, if I do get a house, I would love to have a room that's like a study, like a library oh, with all my tech. I think that'd be so cool. That would yeah,
0: be so cool. I've always wanted a library in my house. Right? Oh, I would love that. Well, speaking of libraries, that's a good segue into your book. Your book. <laughs> that would be the first book you could put in your library. I love that you were already collecting questions before this even became a thing. As someone who's just curious, like that was apparent on your season of The Bachelor, like you were always asking random questions. Yes. Um, and so I just wanted you to tell us about like how you turned that notebook of questions that you always carried around into this book.
1: Um, I think it was The Bachelor that inspired me to publish it it was just a personal thing that I would have with me and I would just share with friends and family and on dates. I, I love bringing it on dates just to like, you know, get to know someone in a different way. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of fans um, of the show saw that I had the notebook of questions and they're like, you have to publish it. Like, I would love to have this. And it was such an amazing tool for me. It did take a couple of years for me to publish it after that episode, but I loved that people wanted to be curious and wanted to have a tool to, you know, have deeper connections with others and, so it really was Bachelor Nation that inspired me to publish it. And uh, I'm extremely thankful for that just because it, it's been such a great experience, like being an author. It's It's been my goal for a couple of years. And so I'm glad that this is the first book that I was able to publish.
0: It's interesting that, you know, going on The Bachelor put you on the path to accomplish that goal, especially because I'm sure you didn't expect it.
1: Oh, Completely. Yeah, I found out so much about myself after being on the show. I think I learned a lot about myself in relationships, how I can be a better partner in a relationship. Um, Yeah, it was just, it was a cool, it was a great learning experience.
0: Well, because your book is filled with random questions, some are serious, some are playful. I wanted to ask, what's one of the most bizarre questions someone's ever asked you?
1: It's so funny because I, I was thinking about this and um I'm usually the one that asks the really weird questions.
0: <laughs> That's why I wanted to ask you.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. Um I think a lot of people ask me about my connection with my twin sister. You know, when I say that I'm a twin, they're like, Oh, can you feel what she feels? Like you read her mind. Like I would say those are the most like out there questions that I get from people, like with the initial curiosity of being a twin. Or yeah they say if if you get hurt, can the other one feel it, or can you know each other read each other's minds. So that's probably like the weirdest question people ask, but it is a common one. Are you guys
0: yeah. more different than you are alike? I feel like twins are always opposite.
1: We are pre opposite I mean we're identical, so we look fairly similar um but in how we carry ourselves, we're kind of like puzzle pieces where we're very different, but we fit within the same picture, you know, yeah um. I would say she is more of an observer like she's an observer and she um is extremely artistic i'm more of the scientific one that's just kind of like out there so like i'm like just very social
0: (laughs) Pistachio, stopping a butt come here i actually forgot to
1: ask you why you named your dog pistachio i actually didn't name him pistachio joe did his friend was having a baby and they're very italian And so he's like, you should name your baby Pistachio. And it was like a joke for a little bit, like name him Pistachio. Um, And then when we got, when we were getting our, I wanted to name him human. I was like, we should name a dog human. Um, And then Joe's like, what if we name him Pistachio? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in love with that. And so
0: he's a little Pistachio, he's a little nut. Oh, it suits him.
1: Yeah, it does. Very much so.
0: (laughs) You said you had a goal to write a book for a while, but I'm curious, was it always this book that you wanted to publish, or you just like want knew that you wanted to be a writer in some capacity?
1: I knew I wanted to be a writer. Yeah, definitely in some capacity. Um, definitely didn't expect to publish a Notebook of Questions. I would have thought that I would have done a field study of some animal. Like I would, I've always wanted to write a book about pigeons. Like I think pigeons are absolutely fascinating, or make a documentary about pigeons. <laughs> so yeah, I never anticipated it being a book like this. I always thought it was me more in like the science and zoology world. Do you have a favorite animal? I have, a, I have a couple. I mean, I would say my favorite animals are the ones that have adapted to live with humans because it's just so amazing. Like urban evolution is fascinating. I'm actually reading a book called Darwin Comes to Town about that. But I, I really love pigeons. I think it's because they've lived with humans so long and they have as diverse of breeds as dogs do because humans breed pigeons very much the same way they do with, you know, Westminster dogs. So I think pigeons are great. And I love pigs. Pigs are just so intelligent. They're the fourth smartest mammal. They their internal organs are like closer to humans than chimpanzees. Um, there's just so many cool animals. I, I love uh, anglerfish. They're just so weird. And the males fuse their bodies to the female and act as a pair of gonads. And I don't know. There's just there's so many weird animals in the animal kingdom. I love bugs. Bugs are like some of my favorite animals. I can go on and on.
0: Yeah. No, <laughs> I love that you're like dropping knowledge. I've never like met someone who can just spew out random facts like that. It's very impressive. oh yeah.
1: My friends used to call me the did you know girl um, because I used to always, when I was younger, I was really shy, like painfully shy. And I would watch documentaries and read books and how I would connect with people was like with facts. So I'd always start every sentence I said with, did you know? Like, did you know the anglerfish, blah, 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 Um And so they were like, oh, there's the did you know girl. So that was my nickname.
0: <laughs> well, I love that you always share what you're reading on Instagram too, because it's just interesting to see like some of those books that I would, I would never pick up. But then once you like share what they're about, I'm like, oh, that actually sounds really interesting.
1: Yeah. The natural world is like science fiction. You know, it, it's it's yeah. definitely, it feels like it's fantasy. And I think that's why I love factual books just, or, you know, books about the world the real world because it's always so surprising I'm like I can actually like see this and like look at it in a museum or get a piece of taxidermy with it like that's amazing so
0: yeah and it's yeah. like around us like even what you were saying about pigeons I'd never even thought about how they've evolved but they're like a part of our everyday lives so it's just oh
1: yeah very ever since the carrier pigeons you know Queen Victoria used to collect have pigeons Mike Tyson like
0: Wait, did you say that you read a book about pigeons? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Now I want to know what it is.
1: Yeah, I think it's called like Le Pigeon. And I, I picked it up in college. I was in some secondhand bookstore and I just saw it. And it's like this pigeon on like a blue background. And I was like, you know, I'm in San Francisco. There's pigeons everywhere. I know nothing about pigeons. I'm just going to read about them. And that's yeah. how I got into it.
0: Yeah. Going back to your book, there's so many different kinds of questions packed in there and I read that you had to actually cut some out because there was too many.
1: Oh yeah, so I had over 500 questions and I narrowed it down to 150 and I've had these questions for years and years so I was able to test them out with friends, family, dates and I really chose the ones that sparks the most creative conversations or the longest conversations. Like I've had some questions that will lead to like two hours of conversation. Um, So I, I chose the ones that just sparked more curiosity with people and really just created like a really unique conversation that you wouldn't have otherwise. And so those are the questions that I absolutely love and spark creativity.
0: I think it's the perfect coffee table book because whenever you have people over, you can just sort of flip it open and start a fun conversation. No, exactly. Yeah, it's
1: interactive too. Like I want people to write inside, you know, and that's the thing It's like, it's kind of like a notebook as well. Mm -hmm. So you can answer the questions when you first get the book. And then years later, you can re answer them and see how you've shifted in your thought and like, Oh, wow, when I was younger, I thought of this is how I answered this question. But now I would never think that. Um, Yeah. So it also shows like the progression of how your mind can change.
0: I wanted to ask about your podcast, Down to Date. Um, You bring together two strangers for a blind date. You ask them questions out of the box to see if they're matched. So I was wondering
1: if your book, your notebook of questions, inspired you to create the podcast? It did. Yeah, it did. Um, A lot of those questions are from my notebook. I definitely love to use the questions at any capacity so all the questions that I had in like the jar of questions and the questions you never want to ask on a first date uh yeah those are those are all inspired from the notebook that I originally collected
0: yeah I like it because I mean when you think about going on a date it's like where are you from what do you do like it's the same 20 questions that we ask somebody so it's cool to like throw in those random ones and you never know what the other person's (laughs) gonna say
1: Oh yeah, especially the ones that are like the quote unquote like never ask on a first date. Like, it's a good scapegoat. I would say like the notebook. It's like a scapegoat for asking the questions that you kind of secretly want to ask, but Mm -hmm. you you like blame it on the book as opposed to like asking yourself.
0: (laughs) That's very true. Obviously, this book is a great way, and you know, asking questions is a great way. But I'm curious because this book is all about creating deeper connections. Like, what advice do you have for listeners who are looking to strengthen their personal relationships?
1: I would just say approach something you're afraid of with curiosity. You know, I think we have a tendency to try to push away conversations that scare us. And that's something that I learned a lot in The Bachelor as well. Like, I I never talked about relationships, future babies, like religion. Like there's a certain topics that I was very uncomfortable talking about because it shows a lot of vulnerability, I guess, within yourself. So run towards vulnerability, ask the scary questions. And, And once you become more vulnerable, you'll be surprised at how how it's not that bad. You know, it's not that scary. Um, And I mean, I've I've cried my face off on TV, you know, and I've also done stupid things on TV. And And I think, you know, once you like, face that to the world, and you realize you're still alive, then you can do anything.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Like once you do things that scare you, it
1: makes you a more powerful person. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I think before I was on the show, I was a little more reserved. After I went on the show, I just felt like, you know, people know who I am now. A lot of my friends and family saw sides of me that they never were able to see before because it is such a personal, intimate thing. Now I'm just like, go for it. Like, why not? You know, I feel like I'm a lot more fearless in my approach to life.
0: That's good. I would assume that's something you didn't expect to get out of being on the show. There's a lot that I
1: didn't expect to get out of the show. I mean, I was expecting to go on for, you know, a couple months, maybe weeks, who knows, and then go back to creative directing and, you know, life per use, but definitely it's been a 180. So I'm very thankful for everything that the show has given me. It's an amazing family. What is some advice that you
0: have for other aspiring writers as someone who had a goal to publish a book and now you've done
1: it? Just write about things that you love and that you're curious about. It doesn't even have to be a full-fledged book. I think even if it's just bullet points or ideas, um, just write. And then eventually something will take shape from that. The notebook of questions that I wrote, I didn't even have to, when it came to publishing it or actually deciding to publish it, there's very little I had to do because it was already there, you know? I have notebooks that have a lot of other things, like random things I I collect, like designate certain notebooks for certain things and just write things that interest you. And eventually something will come together.
0: Do you think you'll ever do a book of questions
1: like volume two with different questions? Oh, yeah. I have aspirations to do like one that's specifically about dating or one that's about asking questions for like children, because I find it really difficult to understand children because I never grew up with children. So I'm like, it'd be cool to have a book to like be able to connect with kids. Cause like, I just don't know how to do that.
0: Are you and your
1: sister the youngest? I'm, we're the oldest. I have a younger brother. So um, we're five years apart. I, I just like, I've never really been, never really been around like younger, younger kids, you yes. know, and they have creative minds. And I think they'd answer questions in the most unique and pure way. Um, so I have, and I have like, there has been like a couple kids that I've actually had like adult conversations with i say adult but i mean like more in depth conversations mm-hmm. with and they've like surprised me and i'm like that's just something that i really want to kind of like explore more because having an having a mind that hasn't been intimidated by the outside world yet is a really awesome gift and so i think that's something that should definitely be appreciated more and listened to more i don't think people take children seriously and you know they should yeah they're the future completely
0: completely. That would be cool for parents to have to like a little notebook full of things that their kids had written or answered. So I think
1: we do that. And then like when they get married or when you know they turn 18 they can look back at it and be like oh wow like this is how I answered it when I was like five or you know so I love that. Yeah. I want to know like what the biggest
0: lesson you've learned is from writing this book. Like what the biggest takeaway has been. You
1: know have you ever had those moments where you're in a group with, with a group of people, or you're on a date, and you're like, I have no idea what to say or c- to contribute to this conversation, so I'm just not Absolutely. going to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that feeling always terrified me when I was younger, and I've had that feeling a lot. And so I think with writing the notebook of questions, collecting the questions, it's really allowed me to be able to contribute to conversations so much more meaningfully to me, and be able to kind of like break that perception of, I can't add anything. I can't bring anything to the table. And all it takes is a weird question. And it could be as simple as that. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a non sequitur or if it comes from left field, like be curious and enjoy being curious with other people and learning about other people. And so that's something that I definitely have taken with me. And it really enriches like so many of my conversations that I I continue to have. Basically, you created a little tool for people to
0: learn more about others, which is so important, but also like to learn more about yourself.
1: Completely. And I think it gets to a point where you don't even need to physically carry the book with you, like the books within you. And you always have like something to, you know, bring out or ask or be curious about. I think it just sparks that curiosity, you know, come up with your own questions, like write, write those in there. That's just been the most fun. Like I, I continue to collect questions to this day. I have a little, you know, another notebook right I just continue to write questions. And it never really ends. You know, curiosity never ends. You dedicated
0: it to your parents. And so I wanted to ask why you chose to do that, like how they've influenced
1: you and like what their response was like to you publishing a book. Oh, I mean, I'm incredibly close to my family, especially my parents. And they always sparked my curiosity in things. And they always introduced magic to me when I was younger. So my dad worked for Disney and um, my mom was an artist. And so Whenever I, we went outside, my mom would look at flowers and say, these are like fairy feet. Like these are like fairy, you know, she would just like always like make things magical. And I, it sparked my curiosity. Like I want to learn more about these little things that maybe I wouldn't notice walking by before. That was always so meaningful to me. And I think it really was what sparked my initial curiosity. And so um, I dedicate it to them because I owe a lot of my curiosity to them. Yeah, and they were just so pumped that I was publishing a book. My dad bought the very first copy. He made sure he was the first one. So, yeah, they've just been so incredibly supportive, and um, it's just I feel so lucky.
0: That's awesome. Well, I wanted to dive into a few questions from your book. Um, oh yeah, there, yeah, I have it. It's super pretty. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Thank you. Yeah, is there one that you that you know of that you want to get into first, or should I just like
1: open to Let's go for it? Okay. Yeah
0: what songs have you completely
1: memorized? Oh my god, I love this question. It's funny because I I wrote this question when like my go-to karaoke song is Just the Two of Us by Dr. Evil. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, completely memorized that, completely memorized a bunch of Eminem songs. Like when I was younger, I would challenge myself to memorize songs that had the most words. You
0: (laughs) You said Eminem songs. I've memorized so many of his without me is one of them like oh, his it's so old school yeah let's see oh this is a good one what about the opposite sex confuses you the most
1: oh my gosh
0: so much <laughs> i would say hmm. they don't think sometimes yeah <laughs> it's not all the time and not every man i'm not saying that but like i think they're less emotionally aware just in general
1: yeah. And that's the thing that I find that's so heartbreaking a little bit about, the op- about men in general is that it's almost like taboo or it's just not, a par- like, not acceptable to society for them to be vulnerable or to cry. Like but that is something I'm so confused about. Like there was someone that I was in a relationship with and they'd always tell me if they cried, like don't tell anyone that I cried. And I was like, why are you ashamed of feeling? Like, why are you? Yeah, and so that that always confused me. I was like, why is that such a thing where men have to suppress their emotions so much that any time they express it, they have to hide it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why I really liked Tayshia's season of The Bachelorette because the men were so vulnerable and they were showing that as an example of being a true man. That's something that I, I really hope to see more in television and more in, in society is like mm-hmm. the acceptance of ability. But yeah, I'm like, why? Why don't cry? Yeah. yeah. Crying releases endorphins in your body that make you feel happy. Like it releases dopamine. Like enjoy that. <laughs> it does. You always feel good after a cry. Oh, completely. Let's
0: see. Oh my gosh. this is. So, I haven't seen this one yet. It says, if you were a dictator of a small Island, nation, oh, I love this. what crazy dictator stuff would you do? That's a good question.
1: Oh my gosh. I love it because it's just like, you gotta get creative with it. Yeah. Um, I just I I have to do something with fashion. Like everyone has to wear like colorful hats. Maybe, maybe like you have to wear a hat that represents something about yourself, or everyone should wear a name tag. That's a good one. So then you feel like you know everyone. You get to know That them. is a good one.
0: I don't know what yeah. I have to say for that. That's so hard. It is. Be <laughs> thinking all day. So
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much, Kendall, for this book and also for being on the podcast. It's been great
1: talking to you. Thank you so much, love. Yeah, I appreciate you supporting with the book and I, I'm excited for all the conversations you're going to have. And yeah. yeah, I'm excited. Well, before I let you go, please let everyone know where
0: they can get your book and where they can find you on social media, online, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, my Instagram is it's Kendall Long, and um, the book is on just kendalllong.com.
0: Thank you to Kendall for joining me on the podcast today, and thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us on the next Office Chats episode. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky?